Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I am your host, Chris Anderson, publisher of earsports.com, the West Virginia site on the 247sports.com network. It's Texas Tech Week. Uh, the Mountaineers are returning home for the first time in nearly a month after two away games and a bye week, and they will welcome the Red Raiders. Uh, two, three, and five teams hoping to get bowl eligible, but with a tough road ahead. Uh, and with that in mind, I will welcome Mr. Jarrett Johnson of Inside the Red Raiders. Jarrett, how are you? I'm good. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I just want to say the Country Roads podcast is a great name. I'm I'm jealous, man. I'm jealous of uh, Hell's name there. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, it is, uh, you know, I, I've detailed uh, the other day when I was talking on our message board about West Virginia's kind of lull here. Uh, Deathtober, I've seen it called. West Virginia <laughs> played the four top teams in the league, all four losses. Uh, Texas Tech has had a kind of a similar – uh, lull here, although they've been a little more competitive than West Virginia against some of these top teams. Uh, losing, I believe, was it four of five or five of six now? Five of um, six, yep. Five of six. What what has happened during that stretch with Texas Tech? And, and you know, what what changed? What's going on? How, how has it happened and what, what's kind of slipping away from them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a combination of things. I think – I think – personally I may have underestimated just how much that loss at, Bay- at Baylor, the overtime loss and the, and the way it played out and all the drama behind it, like how much that affected the team because so they had a disappointing game in Arizona, which they, they led in the second half they lost and then they get just absolutely embarrassed in Norman, which hey, it happens to a lot of teams. Uh, and then they come back and they, and they, they, they upset Oklahoma state, which was, that was, honestly surprising i mean they really they beat them worse than the score and um it was an impressive performance they followed that up with a really good performance in waco against still undefeated baylor um and so you're thinking hey man this coaching staff is on to something this team is really coming around then they host iowa state the following week and just completely don't show up (laughs) until the fourth quarter i mean just very lackluster performance all the way around from the program and uh, it was difficult to understand because there was a lot of the, the, the team coming together. It seemed like behind the controversy of the Big 12, kind of blowing a uh, they called a phantom illegal snap, which I think is, was pretty famous around the conference for the Big 12, doing what the Big 12 refs do. Um, and be careful, and, we and, can't. And, don't want to talk about this and see you uh, get fined over there. Don't get fined, <laughs> all right? Check is fine for nothing so i mean I, <laughs> it's hard to avoid it that's yeah. well, i think west virginia feels the same pain you know it's kind of hard to figure out what why they the big 12 decides to do what they do but moving on tech had plenty of op, plenty of other opportunities to win that game against baylor and didn't um and i think they haven't really recovered from that and then it looked like against kansas who i mean if you're a tech fan you chalk that up as a win i think Pretty much everybody around the conference usually does. Tech had beaten them 12 in a row, had won 19 to 20 matchups against the Jayhawks, led 17 to nothing in the first half. So it looked like the Red Raiders were going to, you know, respond and kind of be just a normal win over Garden Variety win over Kansas. And then they, you know, Kansas came roaring back, and then Tech went back up by a couple scores. And 
Texas was unable to respond, and that's really been the common theme, Chris, is that in the second half, when the game's on the line, it seems like Texas Tech has not been able to respond. And honestly, I, there's several reasons for that. I could There's some really hor- uh, difficult-to-understand coaching decisions um, and decisions from the players. I mean, the lateral by, uh, man, poor Douglas Coleman. Uh, who picked up that block kick and lateraled it back and gave Kansas basically a second kick, uh, which they, they converted to win. Uh, you know, that was a, obviously a horrible choice there. Um, but then I think ultimately big picture, and, I, and this is just my opinion from afar with West Virginia as well, is this, both these programs suffered some really bad attrition in the last four or five years, and I think have been just kind of plugging holes, West Virginia more successfully last year uh, than Texas Tech, but have really been just trying to plug holes with junior college and grad transfers, and I think with that and the transition, it's really caught up with both these programs, and I think that's why you're seeing maybe like a competitive first half, but then by the time the second half comes around, they're just they're worn out, they don't have it, and certainly by the uh, latter part of the season, you see them kind of be helter-skelter, show up one week, but then not really have it, not have the, the energy an, another week. So I, I think it, it's roster matters. Your roster matters. I mean, your talent matters, your, especially in the Power Five, having a deep roster, having quality backups certainly matters. And I think both teams are, uh, at least Texas Tech, I could say with confidence, is struggling in that regard. Uh, one of those spots where you've kind of hit some attrition or not attrition, but an injury that may or may not have affected the team. Cause from a, from an outsider's perspective, uh, the backup seems to be doing fairly well, but the quarterback position, uh, Alan Bowman starts a year, gets hurt after three weeks and jet Duffy steps in uh, kind of a spark at times. Uh, West Virginia fans will certainly remember him because he came in in relief uh, last season in Lubbock and, and really kind of just tore apart that West Virginia defense and made that a, a real close game all the way till the end. But what's the situation now for tech is Bowman close to coming back. I know it was a couple months ago. It was several weeks and, and it's been several weeks. So is he close to back? What's the situation? He is close. Um, he's been throwing. I think basically what's come out the early part of the week is He's throwing, he's close, but he's not. He's probably not going to be available this weekend. I think the first time he would be available would be against TC the following week. So I don't think – I don't expect to see Alan Bowman uh, this weekend against West Virginia, to be honest, uh, at least playing. I mean, he'll be there. He'll travel. He's going to warm up and all that. Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't think he's, he's ready basically to, to take another hit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I mean, to be quite honest, I mean, he suffered three really – really bad injuries. I mean, he was hospitalized twice with those two collapsed lungs, but yeah. three really bad injuries and not even like a, like a full season of play. So they need to make sure that he's ready to play. Um, well, and I, I don't think they're, they're quite, quite there yet. And what about Duffy? What, what, yeah. cause again, what, what West Virginia seen was that kind of half of a football last year and he looked electric. He had a couple of mistakes. I think he threw two picks, but he was yeah. running the ball. He was throwing the ball down the field and, and kind of sparked that offense. But is is that the typical Duffy game, or what's his situation? I think that's the extreme Duffy in both cases. Where I mean, yeah, he's he's he has a great arm. He probably has the best pure arm on the on the roster, honestly, um, in terms of arm strength. And when he's accurate, he's really effective. 
Um, and when he's, I think when he, I don't, I don't want this to sound as a criticism because I don't mean it that way. But when he just reacts and plays instead of overthinking things, he he's pretty dang effective. Um, but then again, he also turned the ball. I mean, I, I think it was a one-score game or something like that. I mean, Tech had a chance to go either tie or win it. I can't remember what the exact score was. And he threw an interception, which ended the game against West Virginia. And that's that really has been the case with Jet, you know. But this year, he hasn't been as explosive. Um, but I will say they played Baylor and Iowa State, and that was two of his starts. Those are two of the better defenses who are pretty good at limiting explosive plays. But he uh, he hasn't been as explosive, but he hasn't turned the ball over like he did last year. He's been he's been pretty good. For example, against Kansas, I mean, he threw a couple touchdowns, uh, you know, threw for 270 yards, ran for about 40, and, and didn't turn the ball over. So, I mean, when he's doing that, he gives Tech a chance to win. Now, he hasn't gone out and really won a game for Tech. I mean, you could argue, I guess, against Oklahoma State. He, I mean, he ended up being Big 12 Player of the Week that week, so he had a really good game against in Tech's one real big win. Um, but other than that, he's been good but not great, and I don't think he's cost them a game yet. So, And honestly, Bowman wasn't really that effective before he got injured this year. He had his own struggles. Like Against Arizona, he missed some big plays that were wide open for him that he, was, he would hit. Uh, you know, the year before. So I, the quarterback position is kind of a conundrum right now in Texas Tech, to be honest. On the other side of the ball, a familiar face for West Virginia fans, former Mountaineer defensive coordinator Keith Patterson has taken over there. What kind of defense is he uh, utilizing and, and what kind of results have you seen from him so far? Yeah, I mean, he runs the, you know, the I guess what's the increasingly popular 3-3-5. Um, he has a couple hybrids. He has an end-of-the-line overhanging, you know, defensive end, outside linebacker type hybrid. And he has the really more of a safety kind of, I guess some call it a bandit. I think he call, he calls it the spur at uh, yeah. Texas Tech. Um, you know, he runs the, – the biggest difference between the previous defensive coordinator, David Gibbs, who also ran like a version of the three-three-five, is they're a little more aggressive up front. He uh, – Patterson likes to stunt uh, and the stunt and the loops, and he, he'll, he'll bring pressure a lot more than, than uh, Gibbs did, which means they're going to run a lot more man than, than, uh, than zone like Gibbs like to do. And honestly, when the defensive line has gotten home, when the when – the, when the pressure has gotten into the quarterback and affected the quarterback, they've had great success, um, create a lot of turnovers in, in those scenarios. But then when they have it against Iowa state, I think they hit Brock Purdy twice or once and put like pressure on him twice. And he torched him for 300 yards in the first half. Uh, so I, when they've had success, they've gotten the quarterback. It's been great. When they have it, they've been torched like they were against Iowa state. And then even against Kansas, so, because right now the secondary is beat up and there's no depth, and I mean they're running cover four, cover four and couldn't keep Kansas receivers in front of them. So they've been defense has been struggling here of late, even by Texas Tech standards, and it's been difficult to watch. The game against Kansas was really difficult um, because it just seemed like they it was impossible for them to just keep the receivers in front of them. I mean, it was Carter Stanley was just bombing away. So it'll be interesting to see how they do against West Virginia, how they respond coming out of the bye week because there were some big-time struggles there for sure. Well, if there is one remedy for a bad defense, it is West Virginia's offense. So <laughs> that, that could be some good Chris, news. And Chris, before you move on, I'm curious because I know you know Tech fans have their opinions. What, what is what is your opinion of Patterson? Uh, I think he was solid. 
you know, he kind of he came from Pitt, had those first couple years where he was linebackers coach in DC, and uh, I wouldn't say. I mean, he, he kind of got beat eat up because there was a weird situation when he first arrived there where they were splitting duties between, I think they had two or three guys that first year who had been defensive coordinators before and were all kind of taking different responsibilities about, it, you know, basically taking defensive coordinator responsibilities and splitting it up among three different people, which never really works. So it's unclear how much of the blame falls on him. Now, his first year as the co-DC, uh, 2012, was the worst defense in West <laughs> Virginia history. All, you know, 100 years of it. So it that's not great. Um, the next, But then the next year, you know, he lost the co-title and took over by himself. And it wasn't much better. And then he was gone. So it's not real fond memories. I feel like he takes a little more slack than maybe he should – or flack than he should have just because – I think people just see DC and assume it was all on him when really it was split up among a couple of different people. So um, right. let's say he's, he's just, let's say he's not had a lot of success in the big 12 right now. We'll leave no, it at that. No. Um, big picture, big picture coaching situation for Texas tech. Obviously I, I think West Virginia, Texas tech, similar situations, first year head coach, two guys who have had tons of success, uh, but not at the power five level. What's the feeling around Lubbock with Matt Wells and and what he needs to do, if not this year, then in the next couple years to stay in everyone's good graces? Well, you can't lose to Kansas. <laughs> that was uh, there were a lot of skeptics, to be honest, uh, before that. And losing to Kansas is just—it's been ugly. You know, losing to Kansas and having a bye was like the worst scenario because it's just two weeks to stew on it. And, you know, the natives are restless. It's the best way to say it. I think what's interesting is, you know, Neil Brown, I mean, he was offensive coordinator at Tech there under Tommy Toberville. And, you know, most of the media members who were here and covered that era really respect Neil Brown. I think he was the favorite amongst, like, the media, local media. Like, I think the, I think a lot of people would, would trade, honestly. I don't know what, what the tenor is in Morgantown around Neil Brown, but I think a lot of people really respect uh, you know, what Neil does. So that, I think that's interesting how many connections the two programs have in that regard. Uh, but now yeah, Wells, you know, he, he was a Kirby Hoka selection where he went against a lot of the, uh, the wishes of some donors. Like during the time, the coaching search, I was hearing a lot about, interestingly enough, Dana Holgerson, because there was a very strong faction who wanted Holgerson in Lubbock. And the bottom line is, is that Kirby Hoka, who's one of the more powerful athletic directors in the country, basically wanted nothing to do with Holkerson. So there was a bunch of give and take there. Um, so now he's got his guy. He was basically told, you better be right. And the early returns, i.e. losing to Kansas, have not been pretty. So despite all the overwhelming success the, the athletic program has had, basketball, baseball, won a national title on track, um, you can go down the line the struggles for the last decade in football are, are weighing honestly on, on, on the program, uh, the whole athletic program. So there's a lot of pressure on Matt Wells. There's a lot of pressure on, on Kirby Hokut. And in terms of turning around, I mean, I, he has a six year contract. Uh, he's going to get, be given some time. He's recruiting better than Cliff Kingsbury for, for what that's worth. Um, 
So we're just going to have to see. I think this is, for me personally, I'm definitely, I mean, he's two-thirds of the way through his first season. That's, there's not enough data there to really to make a decision. I've seen some things I like from an organizational perspective, like the way they go about their business. And I've seen some things about some of the in-game decisions that I don't like. <laughs> uh, so I need more data for me personally, but I think in terms of the fan base, losing to Kansas was about the worst thing you could do in terms of having the, the fan base rally around you. So I, that made his job that much harder, to be honest. Uh, real quick, is there uh, are you one of the people crazy enough to make a prediction on this game? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll make a prediction. I mean, I, oh, I think I, I think it's a coin toss. Yeah, and it's in, it's in Morgantown, so I'm going to take West Virginia. I think Tech has a slightly better quarterback play, uh, but Morgantown. Oh, that's is, generous of you. Slightly. That's, <laughs> yeah, because that's, let me tell you something. There, there, no, look, I I know Austin Kendall's had some really monumental struggles, but there I, there are some things like the way Jet Duffy. Um, has a problem reading defenses both in the passing game and the running game. It's not been meshing well with offensive coordinator David Yost. So while he hasn't made any big mistakes, they're also really limiting a lot of the playbook for him. So, I mean, look, and Jet is capable of turning the ball over uh, in bunches. So, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I would take Jet if I was either team. But in Morgantown, game on the line, you know, Jet might turn the ball over. So, We'll have to see. I, I, I'm going to – my prediction will be it'll be on our, my local radio show uh, co-host and on the site and sure on here is West Virginia wins by field goal. Well, I, 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 the more we talk, the more I just think of how similar these teams are. Uh, three and five, um, close games with Kansas, blowout from Oklahoma, close game with Baylor, um, both first-year head coaches, tons of attrition. And so, you know, the natural thing to do when both teams are in this situation is to let's talk basketball. Let's talk about something that everybody's (laughs) excited about. Um, We talked, we mentioned it before we came on the air here. Uh, Attention for both fan bases is turning towards the hardwood. Uh, Tech tech is coming off national runner up pick number three in the conference in the preseason poll, West Virginia, not a great year last year, but tons of turnover, added a five-star talent and some key transfers, and there seems to be a lot of confidence in this team getting back to kind of that 20-win range. So what's what's the latest with Tech? What, what, what do you guys got coming up? The season starts next couple days, right? Yeah, they, they tip off uh, Tuesday night. Um, it's Eastern Illinois, who's – I didn't know this, honestly, till like about a week ago, but they're the most veteran team in the country, which mm. – might be Tex kryptonite to be honest, because they're one of the younger teams in the country. Is seven freshmen. They did bring in some a uh, couple of grad transfers: Chris Clark from Virginia Tech, T.J. Holyfield from Stephen F. Austin. A couple of really good players who are going to you know play a big role. Uh, like you said, they brought in um, you know some really high end talent. They brought in the highest guy they've ever signed in program history, and Jemias Ramsey, who helped lead uh, Duncanville in Texas to the highest classification state title last year. I think he was ranked number 32 overall in the country. So uh, he's a perfect fit for what Chris Beard likes to do. He's a hard-nosed on-the-ball defender. He's also in the kind of same vein of of Zaire Smith, Jarrett Culver, and that he likes to dunk on your head, basically. I think he won best dunker in the Dallas-Fort Metroplex for his high school. So 
A lot of talent. And one guy to watch is uh, Terrence Shannon. He was a top 100 guy who in this class kind of flew under the radar, uh, but would in Tech's history would have been like a guy celebrated with a parade who honestly Tech normally would never have a shot at. But Terrence Shannon is a guy who, when he signed, he was 6'6", the wing player, a lefty, with a really explosive first step, really like another level in terms of a finisher. Um, and he's grown two inches already. I mean, he's a monster. He's like 6'8", uh, by the tip-off of the season. And uh, he, the sky's the limit. He may end up being Tech's best player for know, a, a couple of years anyways. Um, so that there's a lot of excitement around those guys. And I think with Beard's success the last couple of years, nobody wants to be on the graphic of the Final Four again picking Chris Beard and Tech being seventh in the Big 12. <laughs> you know, so I, he's getting a lot of respect. They're ranked 12th in, in the, some polls, 13th in others. Now I'm going to tell you, I expect Texas Tech to go back to the tournament. I expect the Red Raiders to be in the top half of the Big 12 every year as long as Chris Beard is there. But I think this team is going to struggle early. Um, they're young, uh, very young, and uh, they've struggled in some exhibition games. So I have full faith in Chris Beard in developing this team into a quality team, quality team especially by the second half of the Big 12 play. But, man, the Big 12 is going to be tougher than ever, I think, this year. I mean, I know, like, West Virginia, whew, we have, us at Inside the Red Raiders, we have a lot of respect for not just uh, your inside game, obviously, uh, you know, Culver and uh, just some of the guys you have inside there, but so, uh, some of the additions you um, at guard. I don't think West Virginia is getting a lot of credit for some of the perimeter play that we're going to see. And then, yeah, Baylor's going to be good. Kansas – I think this is Kansas, the Bill Self's the best roster he's had in, in quite a while. You just go down the list. The big Oklahoma State is going to be better, I and mean, they're going to be really good, I think, this year. So, I mean, you just go down the list. The Big 12 is going to be tough, and I, Tech's not going to sneak up on anybody anymore after what they've done the last two years. So, it's going to be a fun season. I think it's going to be at times frustrating, but I think it's going to be really exciting, too, and I expect the Red Raiders to win a lot of ball games. Well, I'll say this: nothing is nothing can be as bad. Knock on wood, uh, as the way October went for these two football teams. So I know everybody's <laughs> looking forward to uh, the basketball court. I did want to ask you one more question about basketball um, before we get started. Clarence Nadolny is he going to make an impact um, yeah. early on, or is yeah. he kind of looking like a, a late rotation guy, or maybe a red shirt? No, he's really good, actually. Um... He interviews coach up at Scotland uh, campus in Pennsylvania where he was, you know, where he played prep ball. He's a guy who was kind of like a late bloomer and took over on the prep scene. Um, he uh, Tech went to the Bahamas for their, you know, four-year uh, international tour, and there was a couple of injuries or like Davide Moretti was kind of held out of a game, so they started Clarence, and he, like, basically they couldn't keep him out of the lane. He's one of those guys who – athletically, I think he'll surprise you. He has more skill than I think he's been given credit for in terms of his recruiting rankings. And you just can't keep him out of the paint. I think he's one of the only two or three guys that Tech has who have, who bring that skill set. And Chris Beard loves him. I mean, he's told me personally, like, just watch out for Clarence. He's going to – it may take him a little bit to really crack in the lineup and play heavy minutes. But I think by the time Big 12 starts, he's going to be a, a, a key contributor for sure. Yeah, he was a guy that, like you said, kind of bloomed late. I remember when West Virginia first offered him, I kind of questioned whether or not that was a legit offer. I did not know who he was. And uh, when I asked one of my sources 
at West Virginia. He was like, ah, yeah, yeah, he's a take, definite take. So I was curious how he was fitting in so early. Um, but sounds like there'll be a lot of familiar faces for West Virginia between him and TJ Holyfield, who was on that Stephen F. Austin team that knocked West Virginia out of the tournament a couple years ago. Chris Clark from Virginia Tech. Um, that Tech team's going to be good in, in basketball, which shouldn't be a surprise. Um, so, you know, I think as long as Huggins is at West Virginia and Beard is at Tech, they're going to be good nine, like really good nine times out of ten. You know what I mean? Yes, <laughs> and, and enjoyable because uh, I was sitting yeah, there at yep. that uh, that Boston Sweet 16 with West Virginia That's and right. Texas Tech and uh, sitting right behind Chris Beard on the bench, and he was he was a hoot. Yeah, probably, you know, aside from Huggins' usual commentary, I would say Chris Beard is, is probably my favorite coach to kind of be that kind of fly on the wall situation where you just listen to him talk throughout the game because he's he's turning and he's talking to the guys in the stands he's talking to the media he's just joking the whole time but but then he's he really knows how to get down to business so he was he was thoroughly enjoyable he's something else man I've never covered anything you know I've been blessed to cover NFL NBA college high school uh pretty much most of the sports and man I've never, I've never even heard anything like him. He really is a interesting guy and kind of like you had that vantage point two years ago and you helped us out, which was awesome on the site. Uh, last year, I went every step of the way in the tournament and was lucky enough to have the spot basically right next to the bench. Uh, even hmm. throughout the, the national champion, well, the national championship game, I was in, like, I actually got the floor, which was amazing. I was I just showed up like, here you go. <laughs> nice. It was fun. Like a bucket list type thing, of course. Um, but no, I, I, he's 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 a maniac. I'm worried, I'm worried he's gonna stroke out because he's so <laughs> animated, you know. And he's like known to like punched a wall and, and broken his hand and uh, gets Iowa State his first year at Tech in Ames. He jumped up and tore his ACL and like didn't go to the hospital or anything for I think like, like until he got back to Lubbock. <laughs> so he's he's a wild man for sure. But hey, whatever he's doing, as long as you know he can stay upright, I hope he keeps doing it. Well, hey, maybe Huggins can uh, let him borrow one of his stools and, and he'll calm down just like Huggins <laughs> there has. You go. The <laughs> there you go. That's it. Uh, well, Jared, I think that's all the time we got today. I really appreciate you coming on, talking football, and getting our hopes up for basketball. Why don't you tell our listeners where uh, where they can find all your stuff? Yeah, inside the com, of course, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Um, also on Twitter, at Johnson Jarrett. Uh, and then the Inside the Red Raiders Twitter handle is at TTU247. Also co-host the Rock and Pregame on Rock 101 FM in Lubbock. So you can follow, find me in all those different outlets. Man, you are a multi, multimedia superstar. You're everywhere. Um, so folks, you're make sure you check that out. now, Chris. No one's going <laughs> to believe you. You're late. Late on kind of fit now. Uh, I, I think I'm just I got to build you up because uh, you picked West Virginia to win. Um, so that's the first time I think we've had someone on the podcast to say that West Virginia is going to win. Um, so congratulations on that. You're going to be a, a message board favorite this week. I hope you're excited. There you go. Um, <laughs> and that'll wrap it up for today. West Virginia fans, make sure you get over to earsports.com, whether you're free or a VIP member. Check out all of our content throughout the week. Uh, we have plenty of uh Spoken word as well as written word for you to read and listen to. Earsports.com. I'm Chris Anderson. Thanks for listening. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.